Welcome in to the latest edition of the College Football News Podcast. As always, it's your hosts, Nick Shepkowski and Pete Futek with you, ready to talk some maybe not best college football in the country, but sure as hell as compelling as any conference that's out there. Time to preview nothing other than the Big Ten. What's up, Pete? And we've got Mike Hall from the Big Ten Network coming on to talk a little more Big Ten about us. It's not the best conference in America, but it's definitely number two. I mean, it's just, it's right up there, and you kind of have to include SEC and Big Ten in just about any discussion. The stat I continue to throw out is the SEC and the Big Ten combined for 40% of the NFL draft this year. Uh, no, it's they absurd do, number. It's ridiculous. They don't know, and they don't have the upper end talent of all the SEC teams. But there's a whole lot of good teams in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, and storylines everywhere you look. If you look in the East, it's, is Michigan going to get by Ohio State finally? Michigan State's defense is great, but can they score any damn points to Michigan save their State lives this Michigan State scares the season? hell out of me. I think this is, this is as much as That's, I, you know, you rip on me for being Mr. Michigan because it's my call, but Michigan State is going to be really, really good. Yeah, it's a team that you never see them have back-to-back bad years under Mark D'Antonio, and you're, I don't, I think it's the case again this year. They're going to surprise some people and scare the hell out of a couple of the powerhouses in that division. Penn State's in rebuild mold, but for most teams, that is means... Is it though? You know, it, right. that, that's the problem. Like, I don't. I, don't th- I think it's in rebuild mode because they don't have Saquon Barkley for. You know, it's like we don't. They don't have that, Trace McSorley. They don't have. They, they lost their starting quarterback who left from Mississippi State. So you, they don't have the the brand name guy, but they got a whole bunch of talent on that team, and they have a hell of a coach too in Franklin. I have a has huge done, James Franklin, and, and they've put it together here. So if it's a rebuild in Happy Valley, is their rebuild like okay? Well, they might be a top twenty team this they year. They could still beat anybody in the in the conferences, yeah. and then the big matzo ball hanging out there is we don't know what Ohio State is. It's the most talented team out there, but okay, is Justin Fields good enough? Is Ryan I mean, Ryan Day is going to be a good coach no matter what? Helps he's got these great this great sure. talent. But uh, again, the, if this is the year, though, as you said, if Michigan's ever going to get them, this has got to be the year. Yeah, you would think so with them playing Ohio State at home, first year with a new coach, first year with a new quarterback. So that's going to be interesting. And then you look on the other side of the conference, you look at the West, and there might not be a team in there that's challenging for a top 10 or even top 15 spot nationally. But tell me in your preseason, at least kind of predictions here, at least you separate the one through six from Illinois because Illinois is in its own little. I like Illinois more than you do. Illinois but yes. is in its own little territory right now compared to the rest of the division. You could put them in any order, one through six with that. I would Minnesota put, yeah, first, I, Iowa Wisconsin's six. not going to be any lower than two. Or th- I, I know their schedule is just a nightmare, but that that team, if they get the right quarterback play and their offensive line is going to turn on, there was, that's probably the best receiving core they've had in at least as long as I can remember, and that defense is going to be a killer. Wisconsin's probably the best team, but that schedule is a problem for them. Yeah, so that evens things out a little bit there. You have Nebraska, who's America's sweetheart seemingly this My God, season. the Nebraska love it's, fest is off the charts. Like, it's it's cool. Like, I, I grew up on when Nebraska teams were – I, each and every damn year they're playing in the Orange Bowl and winning a national championship or in contention for a national championship. So I like when Nebraska's good, but I, it's a little early. It, it's a I, little it's, early to me to be putting them and pegging them as, oh, maybe they're a threat to make a run at the college football playoff. I, actually, I get you can do it. It's they'll some, it's be dangerous. Some, they're they're yeah. going to be one of those teams that could beat Ohio State and then lose to Purdue. You know, They're, sure. they're, they're going to be one of those interesting, quirky teams. And speaking of Purdue, I don't like them like other people do. I, that's a good team. They're not going to have much of a defense, and th- when they, I know they they blew the doors off of Ohio State, but 
that's not really a team that's going to, I think, be consistent enough. I, I would put them kind of in the lower tier of the West. And the team that I say to watch out for, Minnesota, if it gets consistent quarterback play, that running game, that defense, it's just a plucky team that if you saw what they did at the end of last year, they just shut down Georgia Tech in that bowl game who had you know was going to play for Paul Johnson. They just stopped them cold. They destroyed Wisconsin at the end of the season. They were playing pretty well even with a clunker along the way. Yeah, uh, against Illinois, Illinois, which made less than no less, sense. But that's a team I would watch out for from the West, too. Yeah, I mean, I look at that West, and it's it's a coin flip in so many of the toss-up, complete toss-up. And then it comes down to Michigan-Ohio right. State at the end of the year. So it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that's really going out on a limb, but I think the entire country thinks that and for, for good reason. But, no, I'm with you on Michigan State. I think Michigan State's going to be a very compelling team. Let's ask Mike Hall what he thinks. All right, let's do that. Mike Hall, kind enough to join us right now on our hotline. You know him from the Big Ten Network. You know him from his days at Dream Job and getting that job at ESPN and then coming home to the Midwest and Big Ten Network. It's Mike Hall with us. Nick, Pete, I'm great. How are you two? It's Big Ten. It's football season, so we're we're getting there. I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I could use a couple more days, but it's starting to feel like football season, so it, we're good in that way. Yeah, that's true. It's always the funny part because like, there's very few games in the actual season that are hot, so when we're in August weather, it never really feels like football season, but but we, we feel that we're close. That, that August calendar flips, and thank goodness, because as you guys know, the storylines for us to talk about in late July and early August are just desolate. They, well, now they're juicy. <laughs> now it's been a pretty interesting time. I'm embarrassed to admit right off the bat, I missed Big Ten Media Days. They're my favorite media days. I was out of country at the time. So I'll get your take on this. New commissioner, a little bit of a new attitude to the conference with Kevin Warren taking over. How do you see things different now as it was uh, during the Jim Delaney era? I think, honestly, this might seem like a dodge, but it's just too soon to tell. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. He doesn't technically take over until January, and he's not even fully leaving his Vikings gig until mid-September to like officially take his new office uh, in Chicago. So I think it's still a little soon to tell what he wants and how things will be different. I mean, Delaney's left him in a really good spot, right? I mean, he's got multiple years to get used to things before TV contracts are up, and uh, I don't expect any huge changes right away because, you know, the train's on the tracks for the league in, in particular. Um, so I expect him to be sort of take the first year or so and, and kind of meet people and learn how things work. And then I think we'll start to see whatever changes he wants in the second and third year is my guess. I haven't met him yet, so it's still just sort of what I'm hearing from people. But my, my take is there won't be anything dramatically changing right away. All right, I'll ask you the really boring question, then we can get to interesting stuff about, like, are any of these teams any good? Uh, <laughs> so looking forward, do you think, especially doing what you do at Big Ten Network, TV contracts, expansion, market share, how much different do you foresee that being in the next five years? Because now the idea of getting a TV market doesn't necessarily matter as much since everyone's watching things uh, differently than they did five or ten years ago when expansion uh, was about getting the the biggest viewership possible. So going forward, what do you see the biggest change going to be probably over the next five years that Warren's going to have to deal with? Oh, man. I mean, think about think about if in 2009, right before the tectonic plates were shifting, if people said, by the way, in 10 years, the cable TV landscape is going to be dramatically different than it is right now. I mean, we have 
no idea how different things would be. Like, like how valuable would a Nebraska be? Like, maybe it'd be the same because you didn't really add any huge TV markets, but the brand is still certainly big. But what about a Rutgers or a Maryland? Does that does that feel like that's less important now? I mean, I think the league would argue, you know, it was way more than just television markets and the Big Ten fan base is now fully entrenched in the East Coast and even the alums from different Big Ten schools that live in D.C. or New York City are now more connected than they have ever been and all that. But, but geez, that's a fascinating, a fascinating thought of, of if, if the TV landscape continues to shift like that, how different things will be. In terms of Warren's biggest thing, gosh, I, who knows? I mean, there are those who believe that there will still be shifting landscapes in terms of teams joining conferences and moving. I even heard a rumor that maybe the future is slimmer conferences, that people might wow. go, you know what, in five or ten years from now, we need to get rid of one or two. Or just get rid of a couple and say, hey, Texas, North Carolina, you kind of fit the profile. Let's see what you guys want to do coming in our Big Ten here. You, you know, my, and I remember hearing stuff like that years ago, and I thought it was crazy, but honestly, guys, I thought Rutgers was crazy. I, our friend Teddy Greenstein was telling me for years Rutgers is a good candidate, and I was like, there's no way they would ever add Rutgers. And the funny thing is, my foolishness, I thought, well, there's no way that the New York media companies will pick up the Big Ten network because Rutgers just isn't that important. And I was dead wrong on both points. Not only did the commissioner want Rutgers, but he did right away get all the cable companies in the New York area to pick up BTN. And so it added whatever was 10 million viewers per month uh, for the conference and for the network. So. I've been way wrong on just about everything in terms of predicting the future. Well, that's why we're having you on here, so we can play this back <laughs> in 10 years and see how far off you are. As for football, does it feel – I feel like this is like Tiger Woods and golf in the early 2000s. Not that any tournament was unwinnable by anyone else at that point, but it felt like when Tiger was out of it, oh, someone else has a chance. I know Michigan State's won conferences here in recent years, Penn State a few years ago, Wisconsin. But with Urban Meyer out – how much more open does the conference feel as a, a whole this time of year? I know. I like that comparison. That's pretty good um, because it wasn't a guarantee. You're right. Wisconsin in, in the last decade has won multiple titles. Michigan State has. I mean, there have been Penn State. I mean, there have been other teams that have done it, especially while Urban's been there. But, yeah, just the vibe. I mean, it sort of feels like since Urban got there, they were the favorites every year. And now he's gone, and I think it's the first year they're not the favorites. Um, the, the funny thing is, like, what we do when we talk about teams in August, right, we, we basically go on what we know. So we know Jonathan Taylor is going to be great. We know that uh, the Purdue offense is going to be exciting, right? We don't know who the Penn State quarterback is. We don't know how good Ryan Day is at calling plays, X and O's, running a team. We don't know Justin Fields as a Buckeye quarterback. And when we have question marks, that's when we move somebody down, right? So there are big question marks, the two I just said, the head coach and the quarterback at Ohio State, with tons of talent. I mean, everybody who knows anything about coaching says Ryan Day is a really great get. And even though it's his first head coaching job, that tons of places wanted him. And we know Justin Fields is exploding. I was just going to say, is he good at football? Because if he's not, uh-oh. There's right. nothing because, look, you got Joe Burrow gone, Tate Martell gone, Dwayne Haskins gone. So if yeah. Fields isn't great, again, uh-oh, Buckeyes. But the flip side is think of everything else that's on that roster. Like 
every single one of Urban's classes was a top 10 nationally in terms of recruitment. So the guys they've got on their first string and second string and third string are still all four- and five-star guys. So my sort of point is, even though there are questions at the head coach and at the quarterback, you got running backs, you got wide receivers, you got offensive linemen, you got defense all over the place that are uber-talented. Now, again, the head coach is a big thing, and it sets the tone and all of that, but I, I think it would be foolish to just say, well, let's 100% count out Ohio State because they've of course still got a lot there. So on a, on a national scale, I've been shocked over the last few years that, okay, it was fine once that the Big Ten champion didn't get into the college football playoff. All right, they caught a break. You know, Ohio State didn't win the conference championship, but it got in. We're now on three years without mm-hmm. the Big Ten champion getting into the college football playoff. And it, it, it's the second-best conference in college football. Maybe one A if the SEC is a little bit down in one year. I have been shocked that there hasn't been more of a, a push from the Big Ten itself being like, wait a minute here, if our conference champion's not in this thing, there's a problem. And the, this is the one conference that could really rattle its saber and be like, hey, you know what? We got to expand this thing because something's amiss here because our champ has not been in this thing. That's true. And I, it, 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 right, the two leagues that can say we're unhappy make changes are the Big Ten and the SEC, right? I mean, they've, they've just got more power than the other three major conferences. Um, I've always kind of respected that Delaney was never like, I'm going to throw a hissy fit. And he was like, yep, our team got left out this year. We'll get them next year. Is that kind of the Rose Bowl thing? Is that because he's just as happy with having his team going to the Rose Bowl? Or was? I think that's that's part of it. Um, I also think, I don't know, I mean, there were arguments both years. It was never, you know, you could make an argument that Ohio State should have been in this past year, and I believe that argument. But you could also make an argument that that Notre Dame belonged in, that, that somebody else belonged in ahead of them. And it's never been like, a crystal clear black and white, this is a fraud of all frauds. It's always been like, well, they had a screw up. And and I think he was sort of been like, it's just unhealthy for the sport if when one of the powerful leagues is left out that they whine and complain and try to make things, uh, you know, a, a massive upheaval. I, I haven't talked to him about that, but that's just my take on what he was doing. And I, I kind of respect it. Like, it's more to me a coincidence that it's been three straight years than it is, you know, a, a, a huge sign. I mean, I do still believe people, you know, we could go for hours on the whole resume versus eye test. I'm a thousand percent resume. I don't care what your eyes think. I don't care what my eyes think. Our eyes are a hundred percent fallible. Uh, but if you say this person beat more good teams and lost the less bad teams or what have you, like that's easier to be quantifiable and I think in the, in those three years, like there's been at least an argument. And so until the league is just dominant about it, they have to deal with the fact that the SEC still has this perception of being utterly incredible and everybody else is beneath them. And that kind of stinks. But if you're only going to have four teams in five conferences, like that's the setup. Somebody's going to be upset every year. We'll ask you the Michigan-Ohio State question here in a little bit, but we'll wait to get to that to get your answer. Is there a more competitive division in college football than the West and the Big Ten? Not saying best necessarily, but one through six, the way that projects out, is there a closer bunching in all of college football than those six kind of seem to be? I not only don't think there's a closer bunching, I don't think there's a more exciting division. There might be better division. There probably are, but, geez, I mean – 
you could look me in the eye and tell me Nebraska is going to win it all. And I go, well, I could, I could see one or two reasons why they won't, but geez, I could see six or seven reasons why they will. First of all, let's start. Let's start with the fact that he's blown off Illinois. Yes, just, he's just he's just he's 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 just saying Illinois is not counted among Correct. your Big Ten West this year. Purdue, he, he's Wisconsin, throwing, he's Northwestern, Minnesota, Iowa. Yes, they all count until Lovey does something. He doesn't count. Sorry, sorry, Lovey. Thank and you I for winning the NFC in two thousand six. Sorry. I think that's the general. Uh, honestly, I get to hear anyone say otherwise. Every single person that I've talked to that knows college football has said it's Illinois is the only team that. We just can't possibly see them winning it. Like, a good year for Illinois in almost everybody's eyes is five or six wins. So no one is seeing them as a team. And in Lovey's defense, right? Like, I mean, the whole thing he's been saying is we're starting from the bottom, we're building up, so it's not necessarily his goal to be in a Big Ten title game this year. But you're right, those other six teams, I mean, you could tell me Iowa is going to win, and I think that's a strong argument. Purdue, the, thing, the team that blows me away is nobody's talking Northwestern. Northwestern won the West last year and probably, at least on paper, improved their quarterback position this year, bringing back multiple studs on defense. He's a Mr. Northwestern fan with Teddy Greenstein when he goes off on that <laughs> in the Wildcats. Uh, you're right, but they also caught a bunch of breaks last year. They did catch Wisconsin without uh, its quarterback at the time, and you know they did beat uh, you know did beat the teams they needed to beat. But you're right, you didn't mention like Minnesota, for example, looks like a nasty team in this mix. I love. Yep this Iowa squad it's gonna be it, it, it seems like to me though if Wisconsin gets its quarterback situation right then that's it that that seems like that's the team and it's gonna be back to the Badgers and everyone else but that's such an x factor right now well and also their right. schedule is absolute murder they're they're opposing teams in the, the cross conference games Michigan State Michigan Ohio State I don't know who Barry Alvarez ticked off yeah, in the exactly. Big Ten office. Well, it was his it was his idea that we don't want to play bad teams Man. anymore. All right, so let's have is Nebraska, I don't want to say is Nebraska for real. How far back is Nebraska, and how far do they have to go to get to where Husker fans want them to be? Well, I'm a little surprised so many people are two feet in on them right now because. I get it, right? They were a totally different team the second half of the season last year. They have the head coach who's proven he can turn around a program instantly. They've got a quarterback that almost every program in the country would drool over. But it just feels a little early to me. Like It feels like if they win nine games this year, that's a massive thumbs up for the program. And to think that they're already ready to win 10 or 11, it just, just feels a little early to me. I, I think they are one year away from being a division favorite and maybe two years away from being a league favorite. And a lot that's of defensive players away, it seems, though. that's That seems to be what's missing there is they don't have the, the speed or talent on the defensive side, even though that offense looks like it's going to be amazing. Right. But I think the, the faith in what Frost did at UCF and the speed in which he did it and that he's got more ability to do things and certainly a better facilities, et cetera, at Nebraska makes people think something big can happen quickly. Again, I would be surprised if they win the division this year, but I think they're going to be in the fight for it all the way through November. Who makes the most sense for you? Who's the favorite in your eyes, if there is one, even by the slightest of margins in the West? The three teams that I I just can't get past, I I think it's got to be one of them, is uh, Wisconsin, Purdue, Northwestern. I, I would put the house on one of those three. I mean, Wisconsin has maybe the Heisman winner in Jonathan Taylor, an offensive line that's always good. You mentioned the big question mark is the quarterback. But just odd say that ever since Barry Alvarez got there 30 years ago, like the Badgers don't have back-to-back disappointing seasons. They just don't. 
And the fact that they had one last year means they're due to be back to a 10 or 11 win era. I told you why I think Northwestern is going to be really, really good. And the other one is Purdue. And I just, I have, I have as much faith in Jeff Brom as I do in Scott Frost. Like, I just think he is smart. He is poised. He knows how to put a twist on this program. He's rejuvenated the fan base. He's recruited really well to West Lafayette. They got a quarterback they trust in Elijah Spindelar. Rondell Moore is one of the five most electric players in the country. And they added multiple young freshman wide receivers to join him. They are going to be a thrill to watch this year. Okay, I realize I am crazy and I'm a lone wolf on this. And I am in the Jim Harbaugh apologist. He's actually semi-underrated camp based on (laughs) what he's been able to do uh, over the last five years compared to where the program was at and how close they've been. And yet it always seems like, oh, is he on a hot seat if he loses to Ohio State again? On the two ends of the spectrum, where do you put Jim Harbaugh in Michigan at this point? Well, it's hard to say he's underrated when he's never finished first in the division. And what is it, one time finished second or never finished second? I forget what it is. I don't think he's ever Uh, finished second. The year they lost on that fourth down against Ohio State. Yeah. Was that second place? Something like that. They've come close. Or maybe it was a tie for second. I don't know what it was, but that was the one. He hasn't done it. He hasn't beaten Ohio State and just go from there. And that's the big hurdle. And, of course, the asterisk is this is as good of a multi-year run the Buckeyes have had in their program's history. Of course, that's important to say, too. But... You know, Michigan is one of the elite programs in the country. They've certainly got, you know, more wins than any of their program ever, so they have a different bar. I don't know that he's over or, I mean, if anything, this is his year to shut up everybody, right? You got a new coach at your rival, a new quarterback at your rival. You are established in your school. You've got a quarterback you love in your school and Jay Patterson. Like, this is the year. If there's going to be a year for them to beat Ohio State, win their division, and become Big Ten champs, it is now. Any concept of hot seat or what have you in Harbaugh is silly until this year comes to an end. And if this year they're a 9-3 team or something, well, then you're going to have legitimate Wolverine fans upset at it. What happens if they go 11-1 and one and that one is to Ohio State? Honestly, I think it depends if they win the division or not. Right? Is, is Ohio State 10-2 and, and Michigan mm-hmm. still plays in the Big Ten title game? I think fans will be okay. With that, if they're both eleven and one, and that means they miss out, it's you know that Sugar Bowl or Fiesta Bowl or whatever they'd end up with would be bittersweet, undeniably. I look at this division, and obviously it's Ohio State and Michigan until further notice. Michigan State's defense is awesome, and I just feel like they're a team that maybe they're not competing for the conference crown or the division crown. At least at this point in the year, you don't think of them. But with a healthy quarterback this year, I just feel like that's the team that has the perfect making of being a pain in the rear end and that they're going to knock off one of these teams at least. This goes to your point before, uh, Mike, about you saying Wisconsin doesn't have two bad years in a row. It seems like Michigan State always. So it's like this year, everyone seems to be saying Brian Lewerke, okay, now he's got it. He's all right. We got the defense. The offense is going to be good enough. Is this the team that we're just, we're so focused on Michigan, Ohio State. Is that the team that we're completely whiffing on? Certainly possible. I mean, you're right. That, that more than any program in the country, the program that thrives on the concept of a chip on our shoulder, we're overlooked, we're not getting respect, is Mark D'Antonio. I mean, when, when they're not supposed to be good, they go to the college football playoffs. <laughs> you know, there's only, what is it, 10 teams in the history of the playoffs that have been there, and they're one of them. Like, what was the stat? I think there, no, I know what it is. There were only two coaches 
that beat Urban Meyer twice in his time at Ohio State. Wow. Dabo Swinney and Mark D'Antonio. I mean, that dude is fantastic as a head coach. The expectations are low. Nobody's talking about him, which he loves. The quarterback is healthy, like you said. The defense is there. If they can find an offense, I absolutely think they could win it all. The funny thing is, in that same vein, Penn State is really quiet, right? I mean, they have loaded up on talent through the years. They've back-to-back years had bad bounces, so to speak, losing important games closely that have made them look like only a pretty good team instead of an elite team. Like, what if they're that time? I mean, we know that the, the, the huge question mark within the alliance is Trace McSorley's gone, and how do they replace him? But what if they do? What if they have a replacement who's even just okay with all that talent at wide receiver, at running back? They've built up their O-line really well over the years. Penn State and Michigan State, what if those are the two teams fighting for the division instead? It's. I think it's going to be compelling as hell. I think it's. I don't know if it's the best conference, but it is interesting as any conference. It's the that there second is. best. Well, we'll say it's the okay. second. It's yeah, the Mr. SEC, SEC over I'm here. I'm sorry, it's not my fault. The in, SEC's really. In good. one hand, it was kind of cool actually. I'd never seen someone do this. Pete walked into the studio tonight, Mike, and he had Jim Harbaugh's water in one arm, and he had the SECs in the other. And I was like, wow, that's you. You carried that all the way. From I the can't southeast. make the SEC worse at football. I wish I could, but hey, well, look, hey, between that. SEC and Big Ten, between the two conferences, that's four. 40% of your NFL draft the last year. The Big Ten's just fine. It's as good as con- – it's going to be as fun as any conference in the country this year. And I'll say this. Seven years ago, we weren't even having this discussion. Nobody thought there was even any competition for the SEC. And the way the Big Ten has slowly elevated itself in the way it spends money, in the way it brings in good head coaches, in the way it's recruiting better, like it has taken the steps over the last half decade plus to get back to the point where at least they're being talked about as the second best. Well, where, and where it counts is you guys, because on a national who has the biggest reach, biggest alumni base, biggest money cash machine thing happening, biggest network, all the things that really matter at the end of the day, the Big Ten's the number one conference by far. And I will take full credit for it's that. All, <laughs> it's all started with the hiring of one Mike Hall. <laughs> That's exactly Hard to argue. Hey, I, I think it was the guy that used to play tape back in 2008 in the old control room at the Big Ten <laughs> Network. But uh, wh- who am I to say that? Mike, appreciate you taking the time. This was a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again. Absolutely. Next week, good talking to you guys. Anytime, Mike. Fun stuff there with Mike Call from Big Ten Network. We'll be watching him all fall long. It's Nick Shepkowski. It's Pete Futek. Time now for one of our favorite things that we do just about every episode here on the College Football News Podcast. Lots of times we'll spin it around and go around different conferences. Instead, we're keeping it all Big Ten specific this time. It's the Big Ten show. It's the Big Ten show. A lot of topics here in this conference that we did not yet touch on that we have to get to before we give you our predictions on what happens this year. It's the Big Ten Power Five. Five questions going around this conference entering play in 2019. Let's go. I start with this. Adrian Martinez, the Nebraska love that's out Mm. there. Is he the best quarterback? If you take any quarterback in the Big Ten, is he the one you take number one? Uh, yeah, for this system, yes. For the conference, I don't know. Justin Fields is super talented. It's a huge question. It's a huge question. Shea Patterson's experience. He's Nate, another right, Nate, system with Nate Stanley of Iowa is going to be like a fourth roundy type of draft pick who's going to hang around the NFL for like 15 years carrying a clipboard. So he's pretty good. Uh, he's not going to start, but Wisconsin's Graham Mertz, true freshman, has got all the talent in the world. 
Uh, Hunter Johnson at Northwestern is a superstar recruit and get. So long story short, I'm going to say no only because there are enough decent guys out there, but certainly he's among the mix. Yeah, he's in the mix for me. I think I end up taking him because his fit with his system I trust more than the kind of wild cards that are out there. Shea Patterson has a ton of talent. If Josh it's Jackson's another... healthy at, Mar- at Maryland, he's mm-hmm. dangerous. He's definitely dangerous. Fields at Ohio State, yeah. yes, on paper it makes sense, but it's kind of the show me so thing. So I'm going to say no. What? Answer your question and say no. You're going to say no. No, I'm gonna and take... I don't have a specific guy. I'm just going to randomly say no. In terms of quarterback for their system and for their fit, I don't have a better one for you. All so right. there, I'm a yes on Adrian Martinez. There's been a drought in the Big Ten. Uh, remember that night that Ohio State ran Oregon out of the building in Dallas and won the national I championship? I called it in front of 100,000 people, and yes, I was on the record for that. January 12th, 2015 is when that happened. Since then, the Big Ten has not scored a point in the college football playoff. That's not good. Now they've been shut out a couple of times the last two years, but Michigan State's gone, been shut out by Alabama. Ohio State's gone, been shut out by Clemson. Is this a year? Not that the Big Ten wins at all. Do they at least put up two points in the college football right, playoff I'm no matter stick who with my represents off, Okay, them. I'm going to stick with my offseason theory and saying Michigan is absolutely winning the Big Ten championship game. And it's going to go to the college football playoff and get shut out cold by like Alabama. <laughs> so I'm going to say no. Michigan's going to make the college football playoff and not score against Clemson or Alabama. I have the Big Ten being a cluster bleep of cluster bleeps <laughs> a lot. I think that Michigan and Ohio State are two of the most talented teams. I still think Michigan State's a team that upsets someone. They oh God, screw up we this. Don't in, want them to. They be, screw no, up this entire a, thing. You need an Ohio State. And you, you need a end star. up having a Big Ten. Champion champion that gets left out of the college football playoff wow. yet again. So by that, by default, then I have the Big Ten not scoring a point yet again just because of that. All right. Okay. In terms of the Number postseason, three. who finishes highest in the Heisman voting? If I give you Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin yes. and I get the field, Whose chances you always do you like take more? the field always when it comes to a Heisman back. You never. But it's a know. Wisconsin I, running back that's yeah, going to be worked like no, no one's they, been worked before. They, they have no quarterback yet. Their offensive line only returns one starter, maybe two, depending on the moment. It, it, it's he's due for a little bit of a little bit of a letdown. And the Heisman voting, who knows? Again, if Justin Fields goes off and Adrian Martinez goes off. There's not really another guy. I don't think there's a Michigan guy who's going to be in that mix. So Patterson? I guess, Is Patterson eh, enough of a name no. brand and expectations? So I guess by default, I almost have to say yes because there's only two other guys who could possibly be in it. So I'm, going to get, I'm flipping my field here. I'm going to say yes because I don't think Adrian Martinez is going to be in the Heisman race. Okay. What about Fields? Eh, no. No, not buying in. He's not going to have the stat. Ohio on. State quarterbacks, no, Braxton Miller should have been in the Heisman. JT Barrett should have been in the Heisman. Dwayne Haskins got in there last year but didn't do it. Usually Ohio State quarterbacks get dogged in this, so I'm going to say no. Yeah, I mean, ever since Troy Smith anyway. All right, question number four, Michigan State. I think that they're pesky and they're going to knock off one of these teams and just cause a stir in the Big Ten this year. What's a realistic expectation for that offense? Because it was disastrous the last six weeks of last I'm year. I'm still reeling by being mad that I missed on Troy Smith, but that's neither. But that, but that I'm stuck in that Urban Meyer quarterback. Sure. So I, I'm mad at myself. I apologize to a, a, a nation right now for that. 
the Brian work is going to be better. This offense is going to be better. The Michigan State offense is going to be just good enough. The defense can't be that good again. I know they get everybody pretty much back, and they're going to be really good. Uh, but, yeah, Michigan State's right there. I think in this year, Ohio State, we don't quite know. Michigan's Michigan and Penn State, again, no star power, but a whole lot of talent there. I'm going to say Michigan State's going to be right there in the mix till the end. Okay. I, I look at that offense, and it almost feels like – expectation-wise, if you're an NFL fan, what you look at with the Chicago Bears, it's like, okay, that defense is probably going to be as good as any in the league. However, can I trust them to score points? I think that they beat a team that's seen, at least on paper right now, as being better than them. I don't think it's consistent, though, and I don't think that the, the defense, you can assume the health, necessarily, that you could All have right. had Number with five. the Spartans last year. All right, one of the coaching changes in the Big Ten this year happened. Mike Loxley, you might know him from his days at Illinois. He recruited the hell out of the Washington, D.C. area. Well, after a stop in New Mexico, he has gone back to none other then Maryland. What's the ceiling for Maryland By the football? Way, the, probably the worst modern coaching job ever done was his time at New, at New Mexico in just every way possible. It's pretty good because he can recruit. He's a phenomenal recruiter. Uh, he's a great offensive coach. I think he could do some pretty big things and scheme up well and make Maryland at least decent. So if Josh Jackson could stay healthy with the pieces they have in place, I think they could definitely go bowling. I think this can be a 7-5 and five team this year with Loxley. I think he resurrects his career after that, again, from what he did at Alabama as an assistant mm-hmm. uh, and that New Mexico nightmare. I think he does a pretty good job. I think he can do some pretty good things in Maryland. How tough is it when Maryland and Loxley walks in, though, and it's you look at your schedule, and every year it's going to be, oh, Michigan's on there, Michigan State's on there, oh, Penn State's on there, oh, got to go to Columbus every other year. Yeah, th- thanks Big Ten <laughs> for expansion and putting us in with that group. But, I, again, they're going to win just enough. They're going to win a couple of those games over the years. I do think that he's going to do a good job because he's going to keep that talent at home. Give him a couple years, and I think Maryland's going to at least be 8 eight winish good on a regular basis. All right, we're going to cap this thing off prediction-wise in the Big 10. You've been on the record. It's in the Michigan episode now, of this podcast. I? Yeah, it's Michigan's going to win the Big Ten. You're that certain of it? They're oh, going to go over. to the college football There's no football reason to playoff. watch the season. They're going to the college football playoff. This is their year. All right. You're going with that. All right. I'll do it. I'll get in on it. Michigan State's going to throw a, throw this thing all for a loop. Their defense is the best of any in this conference. Their offense figures out enough weight to score enough points. I don't know how the wins and losses are going to fall across the league. They're going to surprise people. They're going to turn off heads. Mark D'Antonio is going to make this team a real pain in the ass, and they are going to be playing in Indiana. I'm not arguing with you. That's Yeah, it's not crazy. That's Pete Futek. I'm Nick Shepkowski. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the College Football News Podcast. That's our look at the Big Ten this year. Hope you enjoyed it. Plenty more to come all season long in terms of the Big Ten, in terms of